You actually got the numbers right. That's great. Hey, Fish, we are live. And guess what? This is our one-year anniversary show. And Fish, for our anniversary, we're going dark. No, not that way. We have an up-and-coming horror film director, Eric Mathis. He has a new film coming out. We're also going to hear about his service in the U.S. military, including his efforts leading to the death of Osama bin Laden. How about that? Now, the hard line has some future NFL bets for us and some NBA play-in props for us as well. Heidi's Hollywood lets us in on the Hollywood gatekeepers. We don't know what that means. Schmuck of the week is an impatient pitcher. And who's got the swag is an NFL icon. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Daily Fish. John Daly here with Eric Snyder, a.k.a. Fish. We're coast to coast coming to you from Las Vegas and Myrtle Beach. We talk about sports, entertainment, and everything in between fish. Can you believe we've been doing this for one year? Yeah. I, you you got to be the – I tell you this every week. I tell you this on the phone. I tell you this now. You're going to be the biggest schmuck for putting up with me. Appreciate you. Appreciate everybody. Hardison, Heidi, that added to the show. And let's hope we keep this thing going another five or ten years. Let me ask one – let me add one more thing. You know, we, we barely already talk about ourselves and our wives. And, you know, I have a mind of a 12-year-old. But life gets in the way of your plan sometimes, and this is a good thing. Any day now, any moment, I could become a grandfather. And it became real when my son Max sent me this picture. Yeah. That's my beautiful son Max putting the car seat in the car. But some people, oh, big deal. It means a lot, you know. Absolutely. That means it's getting real. So you know, in <laughs> this show, if I have to leave because she goes into labor and I want to be there, you're taking over, big guy. I'm there. I'm there for you, big boy. Hey, are you going to be called Grandpa Schmuck? No, Poppy Schmuck. Poppy Schmuck. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hey, great. Poppy, Poppy, pull my finger so I hear your fart. That kind of thing. There know. we go. There we go. All right, folks, questions or comments, drop them in the chat box. If you are not watching us live, you can email us at dailyfish, the number one, at gmail.com. Time now for the Daily Grind. Here's what we're grinding on first. We recap the Masters. Scotty wins his first major. Tiger returns with a gutty performance. So, Fish, was Scotty Scheffler or Tiger Woods the bigger story? They were both great stories. Tiger Woods is just phenomenal. The fact that we never thought he'd walk again, and he, and he shoots a 71 in the first round. Scheffler from the University of Texas, my alma mater. That's right. Talk about, a, talk about a stud. Great-looking guy, a lot of endorsements. We're going to show you a video. This is what the Masters, to me, was all about. He knew if Stu could look, he goes, uses the, the mega slope. A bit of a hit and hope, but then. As he's got a green shirt on to match a possible green jacket. <laughs> And then Morikawa. <laughs> you can't make it up. A dream. That was an incredible moment. Incredible two moments. What was so cool about it, too, was you could hear the roar. That's actually recorded. You didn't see that live. You could hear the roar, and Nick Faldo, who was just getting complimented by Jim Nance, stopped the compliment. He goes, "Jim, I, I just can't believe what I saw. I just can't believe what I saw. You got to watch this." And and they and they went right to it. To me, I, I agree with you, and I think it. There's a couple of things that happened there. One is that 
Augusta is just a brutally hard course, especially around the greens. But because these guys play the course every year, so in U.S. Open, you don't play the same course, and, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> the PGA don't play the same course. But these guys, since they played it, they do get to learn the nuances of that course. So that's why you do see some of these great shots that happen there. So, but I agree with you. I, I thought it was a great moment. I think it might be the beginning of Rory McIlroy Roy, coming back and, and, and being a part of it now. I think he's finally getting into the situation where he's uh, ready to go. But you still didn't answer the question about Scotty or, uh, or, or Tiger. What do you think? Uh, Tiger, I'll tell you why. Again, we're going to j- jump into this. When Tiger Woods makes the cut, the ratings the ratings were 81% bigger than any other major in the last five years. And it's all about who watches. And it's a great story. I mean, he's he's the biggest he's the biggest story as far as a single sport icon, polarizing figure in sports. And he came out great. I mean, again, he came over this horrible car accident and played great in the first round. And he's going to play in the open. So welcome back, buddy. Yeah, and he says he's going to play in the PGA next month as well. So I think that's great. And uh, But I do think the great thing about Scotty Scheffler is he's a young kid, a lot of poise, with the exception of the last two putts on the last hole when he was five strokes up. I think he's got the ability to be maybe not the next Tiger, but maybe the next Tom Watson. That's that's how I would kind of equate him. He's very calm. He's got a great way about him. And uh, I think he showed, it, showed himself uh, uh, great yesterday. All right, next, ever watch morning sports shows of major networks and then shy away from promoting their own sports shows? The major networks shying away from promoting their own sports. So we ask, is there an agenda or an appeasement to demographics here? Fish, go for it. An appeasement to demographics. I heard many sports figures. I won't mention names because people at ESPN are watching us, but they say you don't have to watch the Masters today because Tiger's in 48th place. Okay, I'm done with that. Okay. I can't stand when these these the, it's the entertainment and sports programming network promote all sports. Okay, they're horrible with hockey and baseball. They they show more hockey and baseball games than any other platform, but they never promote it. Okay, I, I don't understand it, John. You're a media icon. You've been broadcasting. Tell me why. I think you hit it in the nail right on the head. They're going for the demographics. I mean, <clears throat> I can go back to my years as a news anchor and the five o'clock newscast. Guess what? We targeted it towards women. So you try to target it to your audience Um, at the same time, too. And I agree with you. You're kind of thinking like, well, why aren't you going to promote golf? You got golf on there. Um, But obviously, if we're talking about ESPN, ESPN golf is already done for them, technically, uh, once you get into the second two rounds. But but I agree with you. And these companies are they're capitalistic companies and it's you know, they got to make money. They got shareholders. So at the same time too, you know what? There's so much sports out there. There's so many different things that you and I can go to. Actually, they can come to Daily Fish and they can get a wide range of many, many more things. What do you think about that? Do we talk about things no one else talks about? They won't talk about that. You know, <laughs> I'm sure they get, this, I'm sure they get the same flack when they get their emails and, their, and they do their feasibility studies by saying, why don't you ever talk about how you just picked up the National Hockey Week? You're the main outlet for the National Hockey League. You never talk about it. Have Barry Melrose on. Have Jeremy Roenick on in your morning shows. Why don't you sit there and promote something that you put on your network and bring in a bigger fan base and bring in a bigger following? Don't get it. Yep. Move on. Well, I, I see with you, but I, I do think that the data is there that they, they wouldn't do it unless the data was there that was telling them. I agree. 
what they need. So, and finally still on the grind, still pisses me off. Still pisses me off. And finally on the grind, kind of a little bit more. The grind's kind of a little bit of a fishy thing today, don't you think? What's with fans who stop watching the sport when their team is eliminated? Morning sports shows, again, social media, friends, and even families fall into the fish. Let me ask you this. Are you and I the last of the Mohicans as far as this goes? I don't know. I have to ask Hardison that. I have to ask major sports fans if they stop watching the sport once their team is eliminated, which means that Hardison stops watching football in week three because the Lions are eliminated. You know, they're out of it. I, you know what? There's an old term. There's a, there, 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 there's, a, there's a saying that people leave Dodger games in the seventh inning to beat the traffic. That was coined after Dodger fans, right? I watched baseball opening day. I saw every stadium empty out. I think it's instant gratification. I also think that it's this. If you stop watching the sport, and I'm seeing it with the Knights here in Las Vegas, they don't make the play. If you stop watching the sport where your team is eliminated, you're not helping the sport, okay? The sport still needs to survive and have ratings. When you have lousy ratings for the Stanley Cup Finals and the NBA Finals, Super Bowl always gets great ratings. But Major League Baseball, because your team's eliminated, it just means what you're going to tell, what you're going to say right now. Retort what I just said. I, I love I love your taste going to be on this. Well, I, I just say it goes back to the hero syndrome and, and, you know, that's storytelling and everyone is the hero of their own story. If their team's not in, it's not a story to them anymore. And it's it's really what too many of us are all about. But it's also it's a time thing. And you just talked about that. Too many of us watch our team because it's all the time we have and <clears throat> we are invested in them. So, for instance, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan. Uh, do I follow the Yankees? Sure. But do I know who's on the Colorado Rockies? Well, not really. So I'm maybe not as invested in it as I should be. But at the same time, too, I think we've seen this in past years, too. I don't think it's just it's anything new. I think it's just more so now just because of our time. And we're just we're in this laser focus here, 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 here. And I just think that's what it is. But I agree with you. And that is the Daily Grind. Folks, give us your thoughts. We love having you with us. Daily Fish is live on Facebook at daily.fish.5 on Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Watch also on Facebook at Myrtle Beach Golf Channel and Myrtle Beach Grand Strand Life. Check us out on Daily Fish on YouTube. Soon we're going to be, in fact, we're already there. We're on Wingding TV. You can get the app for free. And you can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, and Amazon. All right, now, time for the Daily Fish Hardlines. John Hardison has the podcast, The Cost of Winning. Focusing on fantasy sports and sports betting. Hardline, welcome back, buddy. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? We're all doing good. good. Okay. The NBA playing games have Cavs, Nets, Clippers, Timberwolves tomorrow, Tuesday. On Wednesday, the Hornets, Hawks, and Spurs versus the Pelicans. Give us the hardline. Oh, this is like my favorite time of year. Thank you, all of the NBA brass, for making this happen. Another way to monopolize on money for all of us to watch you. Uh, these ad dollars, thank you so much. But uh, going into the games, I really like uh, Brooklyn to win this game on Moneyline, but I would take the Cavs plus eight and a half. I mean, if you average out everything that they've been doing in terms of the games this season, uh, it's an 8.25. Uh, average and so being a plus eight and a half, I got to take the Cavs. I think that they'll cover on the points, but I think that they'll lose the game overall. Uh, one okay. prop that I really love on this game is that KD scores plus 40 points and it's at plus 380 on some of the uh, on like FanDuel 
and DraftKings. So it's something I would definitely go after. I think he could definitely get hot this game. Cool. And then in terms of the Clippers, in terms of the Clippers, you know what? A lot of people love the Timberwolves this game. Um, I'm taking the Clippers. I like the Clippers plus three. I like them going under. I think that Ty Lue has done a magnificent job this season and doesn't get enough credit. I mean, who would think, Fish, that uh, the best team in L.A. this season would not be the Lakers? It would be the Clippers that actually make the playoffs this year uh, yet again. So uh, I, I'm going with them. And the Clippers, actually, this season have been 3-1 and one against the Timberwolves, even though, you know, a lot of times the book's going towards the T-Wolves. I'm going with the Clippers, and I'm going under. In terms of the other games that you have going on this season um, or the next play in Spurs, Pelicans, I think, is the best game to watch um, if you're a basketball fan. There's a It's going to be very good defensive-minded. And, and I like to give a lot of credit to Willie Green. I mean, no one thought this team would even make a play-in tournament uh, with everything going on with Zion Williamson, with everything going on with Brandon Ingram's injuries. And the fact that they've gotten here is, is a tremendous uh, applause to David Griffin and Willie Green. Uh, with that being said, I'm going with the Spurs. I like the Spurs plus five. I, and I, a prop I really like is – Murray going over 23 and a half points per game at one, minus 120. I just think that this is the Spurs' time to win. I think that they're a very good team. They're very green, but I think that this is their game. And then to finish it off, Atlanta, Charlotte, uh, not the two best defensive teams that you could hope for, <laughs> horrible defensive teams. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I'm going to go Atlanta. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to go Atlanta plus four and a half. Uh, the prop I really like on this game is Miles Bridges. For the, uh, for the Charlotte Hornets, who's had a, a fabulous season. It doesn't get enough recognition. Uh, over 22 and a half points per game, I think he's going to go off. I think this is a really good game for him. And and the thing is, they're pretty evenly matched. They went two and two against each other this season. So keep your, keep your eyes out for those games. I think those are the, the big shining spots for those games coming up. Okay. I'm a Lakers fan. You like to, you know, drive the stake in my heart over that. <laughs> Guess what? The Lakers are eliminated. And I'm still watching the playoffs and the NBA game. <laughs> okay, I'm not leaving you. Um, but let's get to the sport that makes us, you know, a, a, a lot of jelly here in Las Vegas. The NFL, the props are out. And one thing I want to talk to you about along with Daly was the over and unders for win totals. I bet that every – I bet the Raiders, and I usually, I'm usually right. I bet over under Raiders eight last year, and they won ten games. I'm betting them over eight this year. They're getting no respect. They're finished – Pick the finish last in the division. What over-under prop bet for win total stands out to you in the NFL? Uh, the one that stands out to me, there's two that stands out to me the most. The Titans are over nine and a half. I think it's a gimme. I think the Titans win that division. The division's not very good, especially when you look at Indianapolis. We don't know what their quarterback situation is. I don't think that the Houston Texans have gotten that much better. And there's a lot of questions still out with the Jacksonville Jaguars. With that being said, I think it's Tennessee's to win. I think they win over nine and a half games pretty easily. Uh, this season. And, and I know a lot of people are like, well, what about Julio Jones? If you've watched football last year, Julio Jones was not a factor and they still found a way to make it win. So so with that being said, I'm taking the Titans. The other one, I'm going Cowboys under 10 and a half wins. I just, I don't know what their answer is. Not There's no, no Amari Cooper this year. Ezekiel Elliott hasn't been that effective the last few years. Actually, he's on a downward tra- trajectory. Dak is good, but he had a, a moment of about three or four games in the middle of the season where he just didn't produce because of that injury. Uh, there's a lot of questions in terms of the offense. The defense is there. It's the offense. And with this uh, this being up and down, especially with their head coach kind of being on the hot seat, I, I think the Cowboys might just win 10 on the nose. 
but I don't think they'll win over 10. Okay, here comes the comments. Here comes the comments. Directed at him, Jay Hardison at IHateTheCowboys.com. <laughs> wow. You pissed off a huge fan base. That's that's a, one of the big teams. Um, uh, John, can I get one thing in? We have time for one more thing about Yeah, I got, I got one there, too. Go for it. First. You go. Okay. Uh, Chiefs 10 and a half. What do you think about that? that just uh, I respect think- to the West? Yeah, I, I think they're still the best team or one of the best teams in the AFC West. I mean, you have to beat them. You have to go through the Chief Kingdom. I, I still think they get those 10 and a half. I still think they get it. Am I so stupid perfect. to bet bets? Am I stupid, John and, and, and Hardison, to bet bets like you go see these prop bets in baseball? You know, are they going to be over, over under 150 bunts? Okay. Are they going to be over and under 50 times when a guy approaches the mound to fight a pitcher? People are going to bet this kind of stuff. When I find something like that, am I dumb to do it, or is it just something to grab your – and, ah, you know, if I have $20, $30, I'll throw it down on that. What do you think? Uh, you know, it, it, it's sometimes a little bit of uh, – <laughs> uh, a little bit of both. There's some things that you could kind of just – if you see it and you look enough in the statistics and everything, you can get away with it. But some of them is just they're up for grabs. The book knows that you're, you're going to bet it to see what's going to happen. I think the number of bunts this season are actually going to go down because you don't have to worry about a pitcher actually going up to bat – so with that person being eliminated, I think your amount of bumps go down. And I think if anybody took that, uh, that's something to keep your eye on. Another okay. effect of the DH and the, NA, and the NL. All right. And that is the Daily Fish Hardline with John Hardison of the Cost of Winning Podcast. Find him here with us each week, but also on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Thanks, Hardline. We'll catch you later. See you guys later. All right. You need a good golf Bye getaway. Now is, the per- now is the perfect time for the Myrtle Beach Golf Trail with dozens of courses along the Carolina coast. Set up an entire trip for yourself, your family, or a bunch of friends. The site is MyrtleBeachGolfTrail.com. Tell them Daily Fish sent you. All right, now we've got something fishy, even even though I thought the Daily Grind was a bunch of fishy stuff. But anyway, what do you have, Fish? This is, this is something that's very dear to me, and I'll keep my glasses on for this one, but I think we live in a very angered world, and people are angry, and you see it when you bartend and our jobs as bartenders is to try and make you happy. And one of the mantras of being a bartender, John is telling a joke. I told the joke a few weeks ago and someone got offended by it. And this was a joke. What do you call an asshole covered in plastic? I said, look at your driver's license. Half the people laughed. Yeah. Two girls were not happy. And they, who's your manager? And I said, well, and I got a lot of flack for it. And I'm thinking, what, what did I offend? Assholes or plastic? Maybe they were in plastics. I don't know. In this cancel culture society we live in, what's fishy about it, you got to be careful what you say. And like That's I true. said, part of being a bartender is reading people out, but having a sense of humor. We're almost like stand-up comics. Josh Burnett, we had him on the show. The general manager at Chuck's is the funniest guy I've ever met. You could put a microphone behind the bar. He can do stand-up comedy, and no one would give a shit if they had a drink or not. That's how great this guy is, okay? I've met thousands of bartenders that are so funny. Don't silence the comics. Don't silence us, okay? If we say something that's offensive, it's just a joke. That's all it is. Because we don't want to see a world of this, okay? Josh and I and all the bartenders, the Kevin Floods out there, we want to see if we want to see this. That's all I got to say. Yep. And it's we we are in a in a different culture. Like for instance, I, you know, twenty years ago, 
when you and I met, again, we would joke around a lot and we, we would tell a lot of crazy ethnic jokes, but mostly jokes about ourselves, about the Irish and, 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 and about Jewish people. I, I don't Italian. do that anymore. Then Italians, Italian. yeah. And we would do that because we have a lot of Italian friends. So I don't do that anymore. So I, I stay away from, from all, all the jokes like that. And it's, you know, it's a different, it's different from when we grew up. And that's for sure. And that's something I think people got to be aware of. That's for, that's yeah. definitely something we all got to think about. All righty. All right. On that happy note, still ahead, our schmuck of the week, along with who's got the swag and Heidi's Hollywood <laughs> Horror film director Eric Mathis joins us in a little bit, but time now for Heidi's Hollywood. She is Heidi Holliker, actor and producer who is deep into the entertainment scene with us every week. Heidi, welcome. Where is she? Is she there? There she is. She was Hi, guys. doing the gatekeeper thing. All right. Yeah. Heidi, let's start first with your binge of the week. Okay. Before we start, I just drew this for you. Happy <laughs> Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you so much. I would have done something more grand, but you know, I just found out. There's no, there's no budget um, for props on the show. Right. <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, I have been uh, streaming and seriously binging. Binging on Netflix's Made. Have any? Have you guys seen it? I have. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Phenomenal. Great, Great acting. Scary, gut-wrenching at times. Exactly. Margaret Qualley, who we know from the being in the hippie, the hippie chick that Brad Pitt picks up, gives a ride to, to the Spawn Ranch in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And she just blew off the screen to me. I knew this girl's going to be, she's an it girl. She's just, she's got it. And Margot Robbie is one of her producers on the show from same film. It is, um, it, yes, it, you're right. Heartwarming, gut-wrenching, 10 episodes. I watched them over, over a three-night period. I wanted more. I couldn't wait. I, I, I hope they do a second season with Netflix. They haven't decided yet. And as you probably know, Andy McDowell, who is Margaret Qualley's daughter, uh, mother, Margaret. plays her mother, who is very um, mentally, yeah, phenomenal. she's phenomenal. She's mentally unstable, completely off the grid. She's she goes man to man and she's a, a free spirit artist. And the scenes between the two of them are classic. And a, a brief example. So um, uh, I'm sorry, Margaret Qualley's character um, has a, has a two, two and a half year old daughter named Maddie. And she needs one. She needs a job. She just got out of an abusive relationship and has to has to get government help. And she can't get government help without getting having a job. And it's just, it's a catch-22. It's a very bad scenario that goes on all over our country. And she goes to her mom to watch Maddie. And her mom is just, just nutso, just painting and crazy. And, and, and she finally says, mom, mom, nod your head if you hear what I'm saying. And the mom does. She's able to leave the kid there. She cleans houses she goes uh, to one shelter to another but it is um it grows she grows she the character is a writer and um mm -hmm. it it becomes a very beautiful ending which i hope very much will will stay on that they'll do uh, they they did a limited series which is 10 episodes 
and the supporting cast is great. The abusive boyfriend starts to get better, and it's just, what do you guys think? We, we want to know, what is a gatekeeper? Okay, we'll get right, right to that. You yeah, got it. Well, what, what, what's a gatekeeper? I, I love the show. Okay, I love the show. Um, yeah. Margaret Qualley was great in an HBO yeah. series called The Leftovers. You brought her up. Yeah. Well, she was a lead with Justin Theroux. HBO ran it for three seasons. Superstar. So I agree with everything Superstar. you said. Yeah, I don't want to, yeah, and we rude that that really touches. But I, you said that you were a gatekeeper in Hollywood mm -hmm. and you, mm -hmm. you would not let mm -hmm. me know off camera what it was. Enlighten us. Right. All right. A gatekeeper is simply uh, one of the most important roles, positions in Hollywood. And it is the person who either lets you in to, to the executives, gives you a chance to pitch, to present, to, to meet, or completely locks you out. And I've been a gatekeeper. It is it is known as a either a personal assistant to a celebrity, or an executive assistant to a studio executive and a special effects exec, which which I did for nine years with Rick Baker. And you have a lot of a lot of power that you need to use correctly. One, you need to be accountable to your boss because you need to filter all the information. But I gave this a lot of thought as to how to explain it to you. And the bottom line is, if you want, Eric, let's say you want to pitch a script, you know, who, how are you going to get it to a Todd Black, for example? You have to have you have to have someone vet you, make that call ideally on your behalf and say, hey, hey, you know what? Eric's, Eric's got a good guy. He's doing something. Let me interject. But, would my agent come to Heidi Holliker? Would they, would, if I was writing a script, would my agent go to you and say, I need you to get this to, to Todd Black? Um, not, not necessarily, even though, of course, I love agents. My dad's an agent. You need that personal connection that you have to build with the gatekeeper because they will, one of the words that they say, and you know that they're not telling you the truth, is they'll, they'll take the call. They'll say, let me, let me, let me find the person. And they come back to you and say the word actually, actually, he's not available right now, which is simply word for We've heard that, John. <laughs> it's called the slow no. He or she doesn't doesn't yeah, know yeah. you, doesn't want to talk to you, and it's it's critical that you you have something to give, that you literally have something to offer, and you have something vetted. You have X Y Z, who you know is friends with him through his kids' school, something to be able to to give to that gatekeeper. Let me ask you this: You're yeah. the gatekeeper, so you're you're in charge of sending someone to an executive. Yes. Has any, have you ever known anyone to get fired because Keanu Reeves wanted to get in to see a guy at Universal and the gatekeeper said, you know what? He's, he's really busy. Actually, he's really busy right now. <laughs> no. That's got to be, no, it's got to be a pressure situation, isn't it? Um, not in that way, because you, you, if you're seasoned and you know what you're doing and you're good at it, you know how to get the information. You know, you know how to get, disseminate it to your boss, whoever that that boss is. And then it, you can actually, that person, not a Keanu Reeve, maybe when Keanu had never done anything, yes, his agent would be putting him up for stuff. But I'm talking about the high end, trying to get in, get get your script in, get, get a producer relationship, partner, that sort of stuff. The person who is who has the phone, the person who's screening the calls, they're the ones who you need to 
to really to really befriend in a, in a re, in a respectful way. And remember, I'll, I'll give you um, my favorite example. Uh, I would screen all calls that would come in for Rick Baker, special effects guy, uh, brilliant special effects person. And one one call came in, and they were usually what what I would call is not fake. You know, someone just not even actually knowing who it is. It's just the owner of the company. So they're trying to sell something or another reason. But I got a call from someone named, the guy said he was Warren Beatty. Come on. So I, I said, well, he's unavailable. Thank you. I'll take your number and let him know. And then after a few minutes, I thought, what if that was Warren Beatty? So I call back the number. This was he would have hit on you. <laughs> I wish. I wish. And, and was it? Was it Warren Beatty? Yeah. Call back the number. It's a service. Service connects me. The man answers the phone. Same voice. Hello. I said, and I can't do it, Warren Beatty, but I said, and I was very embarrassed. I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Beatty. I I thought somebody was pretending to be you. Does that happen a lot? And he said, honey, everyone pretends to be me. <laughs> and I put him right through and he That's wanted great. to talk to him about a makeup effect but it's a it's a very there there are ways to get around but you've got it you've got to befriend the right people and and you have to have something to offer them as well I don't I don't mean offer the assistant hey here's a here's a Starbucks coffee I mean that that can't hurt but yep. yah usually well, that that's the game Hi, Heidi, I know two people are going to be coming to you with a script really soon. So just be ready <laughs> for your gatekeeper role. Well, the uh, irony is, is because I've been on both sides and and now I, I liaison to acquisitions. I produce my own projects. I actually, actually shouldn't have used that word. I return every single call. I talk to every single person, whether it's something that I'm interested in or not, because there's so much respect that has not been given that I just, as a rule, as a habit, I give that respect. All right. That is good. Now we know what a gatekeeper is. All right. And there's yeah. Heidi Sowerwood. She is with us every week. Check her out on Facebook and Instagram. Heidi, we'll see you next week. Thank you. I hope we're celebrating. Thank you so much. <laughs> we appreciate Happy it. anniversary, guys. We appreciate right. that. Thank you so much. And now it's time for our schmuck of the week. It might be me because I said, hey, you and I got a script that we want to get through to her. And then she's the gatekeeper. But Fish, yeah. who really has been schmucky this week? Let me get to this guy. This guy, what an idiot. This, you know, I always think we, we could outdo ourselves. Sometimes we put memes on there. This is Garrett Cole. All right. This is a picture for the Yankees. Before the game, opening day, the game, he was seen upset over the pregame ceremonies going a little too long. After the game, he admitted, indeed, he was not happy that the game started four minutes later than it was supposed to. Legendary comedian, ceremonial first pitch, which was Billy Crystal, took a little too long. Get over yourself, Garrett. Can you imagine this guy having sex with his wife? He probably says, well, it's a minute 32. You have to orgasm. I have to watch Friends. I mean, come on. Really? That's a schmuck. He's Show a Yankee. Him. He's a New exactly. York Yankee. All right. All right. Now, let's see who's... Got the swag. Who are we toasting this week, Fish? I'll tell you what host toasting, buddy. It's about time we did this. Look at this room. See that? Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. Because of that guy right there. That's yep. Al Davis. Rest in peace. Died 
eh, basically of ten and a half years ago, the owner of the Oakland Raiders. All right. Talk about a man that we need nowadays because he was the first to hire an African-American head coach, first to have a, a Hispanic head coach, had a first to have a lady as president for 20 years, Amy Trask, run the organization. All right. No color barriers with this guy. Just a great man. I'm pissed off because some of the drafts that he had, but he had a vision. You know, and he was a great guy. And when owners dress like you right here, most owners dress in $5,000 Armani suits. Not this cat, man. Yep. That's Al Davis. I say this to all the Raider fans that watch and the Raiders that are watching right now. That's the biggest swag there is. That's exactly right. And he was a man who was colorblind. That's why they have the silver and black. And also why he was able to hire so many great people. And Fish, we are going to toast now with our drink of the week. What are we sipping here? This is Peroni. One of the official beers of Shuck's Tavern in Las Vegas. Nice. All right. I mean, it, it's Italian beer. I love it. I'm not much of a beer drinker. I don't, I don't drink beer, but when I do, it's Peroni. Peroni. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it, it's a big seller at Shucks. So. All righty. So uh, the Daily Fish Drink of the Week is sponsored by Shucks Tavern, as Fish just said. In Vegas, great seafood and drinks in two locations. Head to Shucks Tavern on North Durango on the northwest side of town in Vegas, where our boy Fish is overnight say daily fish podcast you get a free drink do it the next day a free appetizer that is shucks tavern check out shucks tavern on facebook you're still getting a lot of people coming in and saying that yeah they do but they ask for hardison yeah. <laughs> for you i should, yeah, well, I should put you behind the bar you more for, yeah, yeah we do we, 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 again I can, I can, I can. you'll be perfect thank you for everyone thank you everyone for coming in thank we thanks for the business shucks loves it i love it absolutely all right Let's bring on our special guest. His name is Eric Mathis. He is a horror film director with his first film coming out worldwide. And he is also a U.S. war veteran. And he was actually involved in the death of Osama bin Laden. Eric, welcome to Daily Fish. Great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, it's great to have you. Um, let's let's jump in right away because we'll, we'll, we'll ask you about Osama bin Laden. But tell us about the macabre. This is uh, give give us a little tease about this monster movie and when it's coming out. Yeah, so we're uh, we're in the very final phases of editing it right now. Um, we've just submitted credits and um, those different things, so the film is just about complete. Uh, it'll go right out to world markets right away. We're literally expecting it any minute now. Um, it's basically a multi-story uh, monster movie that uh, that allowed me to do um, four different shorter films put together as one to kind of showcase that we were capable of producing your supernatural, your slasher, your monster, just a, a big showcase to show that uh, my team, uh, that, that we love horror in all of its subgenres, and that we're capable to, to swing for the fence and, and make something that fans are going to love. When I met you and your beautiful wife, Liz, three or four years ago, we talked about the business and you said you're doing this. And I, and I say, can I be in one of your films? Well, I want to be this guy because that's <laughs> <laughs> I can get a hall pass for my wife. Eric. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that, that is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, um, that's actually uh, our, our creature that's based off of the uh, Japanese water demon, the Kappa. And uh, speaking of Liz, the reason that I did that particular story um, she's really in love with the Japanese culture and geishas and, and uh, you know, the Japanese art. And uh, as my gift to her for my first film, I was like, well, let's do something Japanese themed. Um, I'm going to make this about a Japanese monster. And I let her design 
a lot of the cool uh, elements that went into it. There's a geisha that's haunted in the thing. And uh, it was my way of like showing her uh, that, you know, because um, she puts up with all this. So that was kind of my little gift to her that we did that segment. <laughs> oh, it's, great. it's great. You know, um, I'm going to show you something right now. I, we talked about this. I'm a big Rom Zombie guy. Has he been, a, then, and we know that you hang out with this guy. Wait, 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 not that guy, this guy. Okay. The Devil's Rejects, you know, House of Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, great, great films. Has Rob Zombie been an influence on you and in, in, in your career and, and wanted to do this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, music was one of my first loves. I was a, a, a metal drummer, um, you know, coming up. That was, I definitely cut my teeth on the theatrics and the, the metal. And, the, you know, he's a huge advocate uh, for quality horror. So I think everybody in some way definitely owes a little bit uh, to Rob Zombie because he's been such an advocate for the for the art and he takes it serious and uh, he doesn't um, he doesn't beat people down. He's very open and welcoming and like actually responds to other filmmakers. So he's uh, he's the real deal and he's a really cool guy. And uh, yeah, Rob Zombie uh, definitely a, definitely an influence. Talk about working with Kane Hodder. If the audience doesn't know who Kane Hodder is, he's Jason. From Friday the 13th. <laughs> you know? And I know you've developed a relationship with this guy who is actually an icon in the horror film business. So talk about your relationship with him and, and if you any future projects with this guy who you can't kill Jason. You can't kill Jason and you can't kill Mike Myers <laughs> for Halloween, Eric. You can't do it. <laughs> talk about Kane. Yeah, so um, I mean Kane was like uh he was my number one. Like if uh if if horror was Heavy metal, he was my favorite band. Like I always um, grew up, Jason was my favorite. So um, I came up with this idea for a werewolf movie, um, still in the works. We're probably gonna do it after this next coming up one. It's gonna be huge and awesome. Um, but I had this idea that we're gonna turn this Southern priest into a werewolf. And I wanted so bad to, <laughs> to have Kane Hodder be in the film. And we reached out and uh, I talked to Kane. He actually called me while I was at work. And all my coworkers kind of know that it was, at this time, it was still very much a big dream. And uh, I'm sitting there working and all of a sudden my phone rings and it says Kane Hodder across my caller ID, which I screenshot, I still have. I almost fell out. He started messing with me immediately. He's a really funny guy, um, a lot of energy. And it was just, what a what a incredible experience. He's everything. Uh, you kind of hope your horror icons will be so engaging, super talented, and scary as hell. That's great. Uh, John, real quick, I want to show this. This is great. Eric sent me this before the show. I call this the collage of Mathis, and we want you to go through this. This is project that this guy's involved yeah. with and will be in the future. Take us through this picture, Eric, as you put some audio. <laughs> okay, that's so uh, that's... That's me in the top and in the front with the bloody hands. So up top, um, that's Kane Hodder in the half werewolf preacher makeup that we did when we shot the trailer for the werewolf movie. And he's choking me, <laughs> choking me pretty hard, actually. And it was just the coolest thing ever because now we, we, we have Jason in werewolf makeup on my own set with his hands around my neck. So that was a bucket list moment that I, I don't think uh, – I'll ever have again because that was uh, just the coolest thing that ever happened to me. Uh, directly below that, you'll see the big monster behind my bloody hand shoulder. Um, that was our Kappa 
monster for the macabre now. And it was fully mechanical. Um, the guys at 1313 Effects built it. Uh, the jaws opened, the eyes moved. Uh, we actually had Alan Maxson, who starred as the monsters in Godzilla, King of the Monsters, was actually in the suit um, for the primary wow. role of that. Yeah, so he he came in. He's an incredible creature actor, really awesome. Um, and another cool part about it, um, one of our most valued team members, his name is Jason Wallace. Uh, he's been with me since the beginning, and he you know he absolutely loves the genre. He's willing to do anything uh, to make these movies awesome. And we actually let him get in the suit and play the Kappa's double. So he nailed it, knocked it out of the park. And that brings us to the next middle guy, the kind of uh, sea monster looking thing in the middle there. That's actually the Mothman, uh, based off the Mothman uh, creature from the uh, East Coast. Um, that was also played by Jason Wallace and designed by 1313 Effects. Um, we filmed that out at the uh, a really historic bar uh, about an hour outside of town here. I think it's like the oldest standing bar in the country is what they... Uh, um, kind of sell themselves out. So it was really cool. They gave us full access to the bar. We filmed an incredible segment there with the Mothman. Um, to just beside him, you'll see the guy um, kind of with the, the knots all over his face. That was a second demon that uh, we had designed by Tom Devlin of 1313 Effects. He's done tons of movies with Full Moon Features, uh, Terminator 3, all kinds of great special effects. Uh, he and his team did that, and that was in the trailer with Kane Hodder um, for the werewolf um, trailer that we filmed. And um, let's see, the second one below him, that's the original creature. We actually got that creature done by um, uh, through um, Midnight Effects Studios, I believe, out of Arizona. So we had no money, we had nothing, um, and I was trying to figure out how we're going to sell the macabre, but I needed people to know that I was serious and that I loved monsters and what they were going to get if they got on board with me. So I told my partner, Drake Tier, awesome guy. He's like, he and I have uh, really just, just hit it off so well. He's, he's the other half responsible for all of this. I told him, I was like, we got to have a monster because we've got to show them that our monsters are going to mean business. So we had this suit, best decision we ever made. That's what made people fall in love with us and, really made the, the project take off and we just did gangbusters on our funding because of that guy right there and at the very bottom you'll see the female she's actually um our star demon of the macabre um it's a actress named ariana lexus i think she was from chicago incredible incredible actress but that's her demon form uh in the movie she she makes a, a little bit of a transition and uh and it, she makes lots of the wet stuff so she's a she's a very very cool monster huge huge personality and i think she'll be very memorable when uh when you get to see her in action in the macabre you know what eric that's what girls look like after they go on two dates with me <laughs> <laughs> eric let me ask you this how did you get involved in this was this something as a kid or did it something evolve as you got older and, and after your uh, years in service? Yeah, you know, it, it was something that uh, I was that that kid, that that um, late 80s kid that was raised at home by the video store by choice. Like, uh, you know, where other kids might have been going out and, and going to parties and stuff. I wanted to go to the VHS store. 
rent my horror VHSs and go home and spend the weekend with Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and those kind of movies because I loved the movies, but I love the idea. I always wanted to know, like, how did they make that? How did they, how are they producing these super scary, but awesome movies? And I've always been uh, very obsessed with it um, throughout my whole childhood. I've never went anywhere without my video camera. Um, I was always sticking around to watch the extra features. So um, lifelong interest and dream. And then uh, when I got out of the military, um, I had worked for Fox News and I had done radio and uh, I loved media kind of from the get go. Uh, but out here in Vegas, I'd reached out to a, um, a well-known uh, video production company here just to get some basic fact finding, um, see what, what was going on kind of in the city and where I could maybe just get some work or, or get involved with some projects. Um, but the owner weirdly enough, just ended up liking my ideas so much that uh, he hired me. He wasn't hiring, but at that minute, he was like, I want to hire you. Come come work on these music videos and things that we were doing. Um, so I worked on several music videos. I did like a, a rock video. I did one of the biggest rappers on the East Coast, uh, which was mind-blowing. I didn't even know we were going to be doing that. Uh, I'm under NDA, so I can't release the name of him, but he's one of the biggest on the oh, East Coast. On. I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> we what did he look that, like? Uh, he was big, big guy. <laughs> oh, okay. It was he Smalls or Biggie? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, we filmed that in the penthouse of the Palms, which was just mind blowing, and uh, wow. that led to me actually getting hired by the Jackson family, like uh, the Jacksons, like royalty. Um, wow. So that was my last music video. Uh, my wife and I were actually giving cameos in that. Um, so my last music video, I'm glad that's over because I love horror and film uh, movies more, but I'm glad it happened because it definitely opened doors. Um, so after the Jacksons, uh, that's when the movie started rolling in. Um, Charles Band, um, he has a company called Full Moon Features, which has made some of the most iconic 80s uh, horror films, um, Puppet Masters, um, you name it, Demonic Toys, all the movies that I grew up with, the very ones that I told you I used to go to the video store and rent and just binge watch all weekend. Um, he was responsible for a lot of those. So uh, I ended up working for him on two movies and then it was just, I, I felt it was time to to launch our own projects and it just really took off and, and did way better. And I think literally anybody thought it would, everybody was telling me, Oh, you can't do that. You can't just jump in and, and make these, and, and you're not, nobody's going to give you money. And they did. <laughs> it was awesome. And we've, we've just been running with it ever since. Good stuff. We, we, we talk about heroes. We talked about last week. This is a hero to me. Okay. Oh, so this guy, you. this guy, look at a hand. Oh, my God, man. You can, you, you, <laughs> never, you can never have a monster kill this guy in a movie. Forget it. <laughs> but that guy, I'm going to ask you a personal question on a serious note. This guy is in Afghanistan. You talked about as a kid going to VHS stores getting videos did your love of horror films and your imagination keep you going when there was the darkest times when you're over there and you're thinking hey man i'm in this right now and you don't know what's going to happen did you rely on that that trail of library in your mind about horror to get you through the toughest times yeah absolutely yeah. we um we we had like a little group um uh, amongst the people that were deployed with me um, and we'd kind of have a, a, a freak out movie night to see who could bring the, the wildest movie, uh, horror movie. And uh, 
I, I think uh, between me and another guy, we 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 pretty much topped out there. But we definitely used the the humor and the and the the, the shock features of those films to get through. Uh, I was investing in audio and video gear while I was there and teaching myself um, how to produce. And I kind of came away from that uh, with a lot of knowledge that helped me. You know, once it came time to start pursuing it, once I got out, um, a lot of the stuff I taught myself how to do while I was there, just to kind of to, to keep sane and, and, and any breaks we could get while we were there. That's what I was doing was learning and growing uh, as an artist. Talk to us about the capture of Osama bin Laden, because it's one of the greatest captures we've had in our military history, taking out a guy that was instrumental in constructing the, uh, the World Trade Center tragedy that went down. Talk about your role, because that is huge in, in your resume. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we were in Bagram, Afghanistan. Um, I was I worked with uh, jet fuel and cryogenics. Um, so wow. it was just another an, an average night. You know, um, my number was up. Uh, uh, my very good friend, Sergeant Bevins, he and I, uh, they, they kind of call you in a sequential order to send you out on runs. So they'll say, um, um, yeah, so Aaron was actually here with us. He's, I see him commenting, Aaron Porter. He was actually stationed there with us during this as well. Um, so Thank they called us up. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Um, so they called us up, Matt, this Bevins, you're up, you know, get in the truck, go out. Um, you got to get locked down for a little while and don't ask questions. I mean, that's not, wow. I guess, terribly uncommon, um, but they didn't, they didn't tell us anything. It could have been going out to take the trash out. It was that nonchalant because it's not really the kind of thing that you can talk about um, for risk of it getting spoiled or, or getting, um, you want them to get the jump on us. So nobody even knew it. Um, Turns out the special forces were there um, for a while before building um, uh, practice scenarios and bringing in special gear and nobody knew it. Um, so that night they, they sent us down and we ended up uh, prepping the plane, sending it out and um, wow. pretty much didn't really know what was going on. But the next morning um, they came in and told us, and they're like, um, we got him. I'm like, got who? They're like, Bin Laden. Bin Laden's dead. So I was like, that was, and then they let us know. So I got to call my mom and be like, uh, last night I, I supported the mission and they went over and killed Osama Bin Laden. It wasn't even on the news yet. Um, so I was like, just turn on the news. You'll probably be seeing it later today. So we went out and had victory cigars and, um, yeah, just the luck of the draw got to, got to go and, and, and send that plane out to go and uh, kick his ass. Did you get a chance to see the body of Osama bin Laden? Um, no, they, it's, uh, you know, it's so tight lipped and so quick. And, uh, yeah, a lot of those, a lot of those things are, are still to this day, super, super under wraps. And, uh, I don't know that any of that info is ever going to see the light of day. I hope so. We got a couple of minutes here, Eric, and you know this is this is full. You got the chills just listening to that. Your whole story: the Jacksons, rappers, horror films. Do you want to take the horror genre? I love, but uh, do you want to take your directing talents to other genres, sort of like you know, drama, action, adventure, or do you want to stick with horror the rest of you know your career? Well, you know, I got to work on network television uh, a couple of months ago. I got to produce a, a segment of um, Samantha B, 
Um, she's a famous comedian. Yeah. yeah so I got, I got to go and produce a, a segment on her network television show and I enjoyed it. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, my heart is definitely probably the most in horror and monsters. Um, I've been asked to do other things and I've taken a couple of the jobs, but, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, probably turn down it just because it's not horror. Um, but definitely horrors, horrors where my heart's at. Uh, let me ask you this real quick. Uh, you know, Geico has a commercial that makes fun of horror films. Are you crazy? Let's let's hide behind the chainsaws. Do you, do you, think funny? Do you, do you get offended at that? No, I love it. I, I think it's all if, if we're not all laughing at ourselves and having a good time with it. I think we're missing it. Um, no, I, I, I love it. I, I love everything about it. And uh, just anything horror themed, whether it's poking fun or it's it's on our side. I think it's all. Uh, it's all part of the experience, and I, I love it. I, I chuckle at all of it. Okay. We have a minute or two to go here. I'm going to ask you something. I'm going to ask you, sure. if you really want to write a script and you want to have a, 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 a monster kill two guys that are doing a podcast, I John and John and I are available. <laughs> we're, the guys. we're doing a podcast. Absolutely. We'll say, you know what? We can't stand the horror films. That genre is really shitty. And just have the monsters tear our heads off. But not John. <laughs> hey, he can bite my neck, do it a lot. Just, you know, kind of catch John makeup on. But we, we, we can definitely we, do that. We, we're available for you, Eric. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. I'd love to. We've, we've pulled off faces. We've blown up heads. We can do it. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> okay. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> All right. So we've been talking to Eric Mathis, horror film director. His new film is called The Macabre. It's coming out soon with worldwide distribution. Where where should folks look for that, Eric? Is, should they just, just check the website? Is Should they check IMDb to find out when it's going to be released? Yeah, you can check IMDb. Um, it's all over the internet. Um, it was wildly popular. So you can Google it. It pops up pretty much everywhere. But uh, the Best place uh, to keep up to date, see all the actors and everything. IMDb is a, is a phenomenal source. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I, I only put movie stuff up there. Uh, so if you want to see the monsters behind the scenes, um, that's a site that I, I use specifically for um, for the monsters and for, for movies. It's uh, Grimehouse Films. Uh, I'm on there. Say hi. Check it out. Perfect. All right. Eric, we're going to be watching. We'll, we'll give you some reviews of it. That's for sure. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming on, and uh, we'd love to have you back again, buddy. Thank you, and thanks for your service Thank as well. Thank yeah. you guys so much. I, I, yeah, I ditto that and say hi to Liz for me, okay? I hope to see you soon. Yeah, absolutely. I will. Okay, buddy. Thanks. All right. And that was Eric Mathis, horror film director. And uh, coming up, Fish and I, we're going to wrap things up and give you a little sneak peek at next week as well. But first, we want you to check out Hope for the Warriors. They have a big celebrity golf event coming up. August 27th to the 29th. It will be in Wallace, North Carolina, near Wilmington, North Carolina. And Fish, we are planning to be there. Hope for the Warriors works with our military warriors who were wounded to restore their sense of self, family, and hope. They get them healthy and well so that they are part of their families and the community as well. It is a great charity. It is a great event. And you're going to see us there as well. That is hopeforthewarriors.org. So check them out. Folks, again, thanks for being with us. Remember, Daily Fish is live from Vegas and Myrtle Beach on Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific. We're on Facebook at daily.fish.5, plus the Myrtle Beach Golf Channel and Myrtle Beach Grand Strand Life. You can catch us on YouTube as well. We are also on 
Wingding TV. You can get the app for free. Again, Wingding TV. And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, and Amazon. Write to us at dailyfish, the number one, at gmail.com. And Fish, can you believe we've done this for a full year now? Isn't this wonderful? And what a great year anniversary. Everything. Heidi was great. Hardison was great. And had this kid on. I mean, I, tell oh, you, I met him four years ago and just engaging. I said, wow, why can't every customer be like him and his wife? You know, great customers. Take care of you. And he knows the business. And you root for guys like him. We actually try to run out of, you know, Rick owned the edge of town. We try to run out of room that he has that goes dark at night to show films, horror oh, films, no kidding. side business like that. So, and I, you know, we, 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 we stayed friends and he's just, I didn't know his resume was that it's exclusive. And, and I, again, you know, I didn't know anything about his service. And then it just adds more to what we talk about. And he said, was the theme of our show, make people laugh. When you ask him the Geico commercial, story that's it make people laugh don't and that, you can't don't take me so serious and we're gonna we're gonna keep updates on this guy yeah. and, and his career as it goes on on daily fish and a year a year and uh you know john we've been i get we tell that for new for new people that are watching listening we've known each other since 2000 and who would ever think that we'd be doing this because these weren't around back in 2000 you know yeah. we barely had cell phones that weren't a flip phone you know you look the same. I mean, I'm a bigger schmuck. But <laughs> yep. Well, we're going to have part, a part where you say, Fish, you look the same too, but don't. Oh, know. Fish, you look the same too. Absolutely. Is that you, Fish? Oh, yeah, that's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, um, I was in Greenville, South Carolina last week. As you know, I, I did the show from there. And I got some interviews afterwards with rock star Damon Johnson, who was on our show, and funny man actor from Blazing Saddles. Burton Gilliam. And boy, did they have a lot to say about you. And we're going to show that coming up on Daily Fish. Wait a minute. Is it the bad comments I got? No, no, they were hysterical. They loved you. No, they 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 went absolutely nuts over it. So uh, they they talked about how much they enjoyed being on the show. But I got some great stuff from them that were and they kind of responded in fish style. So you're you're going to enjoy that as well. Hey, next week, too. We got another great show next week. Um, we're scheduled to have Jesse Hearns on Thomas, the Hitman Hearns brother, who is, uh, according to, um, many publications, Ebony magazine, one of the top 10 black businessmen in America. And I've known Jesse for a long time. He's got so many and restaurants. What a chef. Unbelievable. And the most engaging guy. And he's one of these guys that, that hangs out with Guy Fieri and Mark Davis. And his brother was a great boxer back in the day. So, um, yeah. You know, it's it's uh, this Aaron Porter guy. Go Chiefs! All right, Aaron. Nice knowing you. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you too, buddy. Hey, 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 Mathis. If you're still in the queue, have your next monster bite his head off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I think I think we we've just about we've done it. Another great show and happy anniversary to you, pal. So uh, thank you so much. Happy anniversary. Stay in the queue, Mathis. I want to talk to you after the show. We will. All right, folks, we'll catch you next week.